Respectfully, this is the greatest podcast. Make more of your stuff that sounds very, it sounds very uh, chill, very mellow, ethereal. You're not trying too hard. Quentin Quavo, the golden child, the chocolate Charles Xavier, Zay Parker, and we are back with another episode of the Too Much Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hopefully, everybody is blessed and safe this week. Uh, Man, we had a little bit of a cold snap here in Charlotte, but a spring's sneaking back in just a little bit. Hopefully, it's nice and warm wherever you're at. Getting that sun on your face, making you feel good, getting all those endorphins flowing. But uh, let's get to the podcast. But if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please rate this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to this at, as well as find me on all my social media platforms at Zay Parker, X-A-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R. And follow me on there and then definitely send me responses to how y'all feel about the podcast. Anything you want me to talk about in future episodes or anything you just want me to revisit or even you just want a shout out on the next episode. Just hit me up, y'all. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this podcast, y'all. The first topic that I want to talk about um, has been a hot topic the last couple of days regarding sports in the NFL, Calvin Ridley. So uh, if you're unfamiliar, if you don't watch the NFL, Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver that plays for um, the Atlanta Falcons. He got drafted from Alabama. I think he was in the first round, if I remember correctly. Um, this is his rookie season, so th- he's just he's almost done with his rookie contract. He's got, I think, next year is supposed to be supposed to be keyword the last year of his rookie contract before it gets restructured. Anywho, so. Last November, November 2021, um, Calvin Ridley was away from the Atlanta Falcons team. He was uh, he, he left the team activities and didn't play in November due to uh, mental health issues he was having. Um, apparently, during this time in November, there was a five-day stint where he bet uh, about $1,500 on various sports. Now, what you're thinking is, hey, what's wrong with that? Uh, gambling is legal throughout the U.S. There's a lot of people that gamble. You, you, you listening might have gambled before, or be currently you might be on a, a slot machine right now playing. For all I know, um, the thing is, when it comes to professional sports, especially the NFL, you cannot bet on any NFL games while you are currently active playing in the NFL. It it goes so deep, like. I'm a college athlete. I played uh, football in college for a little while. And before you even touch the field in college, you sit down with the NCAA and and their lawyer or representative, and it's about an hour, hour and a half meeting on just stuff you cannot do. And one of the big things they said is betting on college games. So if they're telling you in college not to bet on college games, and if we find out you can lose your scholarship and not play football again, what do you think the NFL is going to do? Now, a lot of people might be listening and thinking, well, I mean, the NFL, they aren't those people like FanDuel, and, uh, you know, these uh, sports betting websites, aren't they their sponsors? Absolutely. The NFL want they cut. I don't know how much money they get uh, per, you know, bet and stuff like that. But, if, like I said, the reason why the NFL doesn't want their players 
betting on the games is, you know, could involve, you know, lying, you know, shaving points, playing bad on purpose because, you know, you're betting against your team or potentially you might have some insider information. Um, your homeboy who plays for the Washington Commanders uh, might have tore his hamstring and the news doesn't know that yet, but he's still going to try to play. You might know that information. You might bet against your homeboy because he's a star wide receiver on that team. So, to needless to say, the NFL was not happy with Calvin Ridley. Now, it still hasn't came out exactly how they found out that he was betting on these games. Um, He was betting on more than uh, NFL games as well. So, he betted on his team to win, for one. Uh, He was also betting on basketball and whatever other sports was going on uh, on the time in November. But, he bet $1,500. The NFL said, due to us finding out that you were betting, which is against the code of conduct and a major violation uh, with the NFL, he is, right now, he's not slated to play next season. Um, His salary for next season was $11 million. He lost out on $11 million to bet $1,500. That's one comma five zero zero. There's just one comma. That's 11 two commas. And you lost out on all that bread. Now he could be, he could have been investing his money. He says he does not have a gambling problem. Calvin really already came out, did a, a, a press conference. He tweeted he doesn't have any gambling issues or anything like that. Hopefully so, because I hope you, you got your money set up and, and saved and you're investing that properly because, you know, hopefully the NFL, they'll let him back in. Um, they might just make an example of him and just not let him back in, and that could be the end of his NFL career. Uh, again, is it a little hypocritical that, you know, you're you're mad at him for basically putting money back in the NFL's pocket, not only through ticket sales, but, you know, the money you spent on betting, the, the NFL gets a small percentage of that cut. Um, but, again, you got you to – he knows the rules as well as – you could, somebody potentially could play bad. Like, what if a quarterback in the NFL, what if, um, you know, I don't know, Russell Wilson, what if Russell Wilson decided he was going to bet against the Broncos? He 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 just got uh, transferred to the Broncos. And um, what if he decided to shave the points? What if he decided, I'm going to play bad because I got half a mil bet that we're going to lose this game? And he tanks the game on purpose. Fair enough, you know. That, that ruins the integrity of the game, the, the pure sportsmanship of the game. If, you know, the players are, are getting some type of cut or some type of incentive to either throw games or, or you know, you know get hit a certain – hitting a certain mark of points scored or certain, you know, you're betting on, I don't know, Aaron Donald to get three sacks in one game. If he gets just three sacks, you get an extra bonus of $5,000. But if he gets four sacks, you don't get that bread, right? It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. And I just, I, I truly just can't even understand why he'd want to bet the money on that. I've been to Vegas before. I, I've been to Vegas. It was probably about six, seven years ago. That was honestly my first time actually truly gambling. I've gone to bingo with my grandma in uh, South Carolina before, but I really don't consider that gambling necessarily. But. I mean, going to Vegas was cool. 
it was fun. I enjoyed myself. I, I ended up breaking even. I went there with like three hundred bucks to spend just to gamble with, and I ended up getting back like two eighty five. So I really kind of just broke even. Um, now, granted, some people do have addictive personalities to where you know gambling can become an issue. Some people get addicted to the adrenaline rush that they receive from um, the thrill of, of betting it all and maybe winning and maybe losing. Some people are addicted to that. You know, there's a there's a whole thing that Michael Jordan is, has a gambling issue. When I really think it's just more of he just is addicted to uh, competition and, and winning and beating somebody. But, I mean, the earliest that Calvin really could be reinstated is... 2023, February 2023, he'd have to appeal and ask to be reinstated in the NFL. And that is not a guaranteed bet at all that he'll get back in the NFL. So, who knows? I mean, he was one of the top receivers for the Falcons. And it's going to be, and we know their season was trash last year. And it's not looking too good for him. Uh, but who knows, man? You know, they, they might let him back. I mean, unfortunately, the NFL has let back people who've done worse, you know, people who've abused their wives or people who've got DUI charges or, you know, whatever you name it. Nobody's perfect. Um, it's all types of walks of life that are on uh, these football teams professionally. So, hey, man, you know, prayers to Calvin Ridley. Hopefully he figure it out. Sounds like he just really made a, a spur-of-the-moment bad decision because, again, I just can't even fathom knowing how much a person could risk why betting $1,500 was worth the risk of, you know, losing out on your $11 million guaranteed salary in the NFL. Doing something that you love, presumably. Some people don't love the sport. Some people fall out of love, especially once you get to that level. So, you know, who knows? It's sad to hear. Another sad thing to hear and another thing involving a black man. And this is like one of the main topics I want to talk about is this Ryan Coogler situation out of Atlanta. So, Ryan Coogler, who, if you don't know, he's the director of Black Panther, uh, Fruitville Station, which was, I think that was really his first really truly big movie that broke. And coincidentally, Michael B. Jordan was in both of these films that uh, he directed. Now, Ryan Coogler was actually in Atlanta filming Black Panther 2. Uh, Ryan Kluger, Kugler decided to go to Bank of America. That's who his bank was with. He went there and he wanted to withdraw $12,000. Um, there's this video of the whole situation going on when the cops uh, approached him. You can look it up on YouTube. I'm definitely going to insert a clip of the 911 call a little bit later as well. But Ryan Kugler goes up to the teller. He writes on... Not just a, a crumpled up piece of paper he got out of the trash can, but a, rif, a withdrawal slip on the back of a withdrawal slip. Hey, I'd like to take out $12,000. Can we make this as discreet as possible? Uh, please don't count the money out here. Is that a little OCD? Absolutely, and rightfully so, because the crime is crazy right now. You know, he's from L.A., and um, if you haven't been paying attention since the pandemic, it is like open season in L.A. You just got smash and grabs going on in L.A. You can't, it's just crime is bad. And bad period throughout the, the U.S. So people looking to hit licks, people looking to rob people. And he's in Atlanta. You know, I, I love going to Atlanta, but let's be real, yo. 
There's some sketchy people in Atlanta, and there's some savages out there in Atlanta looking to to come up off somebody, especially Ryan Coogler. And if I knew that I was going to carry $12,000 cash, I would have done exactly the same thing Ryan Coogler did. I don't want no attention drawn to me. Because you, you know you can't you cannot go to an ATM and take that type of money out. Because I'm pretty sure if he was able to take that $12,000 out of an ATM, I'm pretty sure he probably would have did that. But he went into the bank. He gave this woman. Here's the crazy part. He gave this woman his card. His license, put his PIN number in. This his account. The teller don't care about none of that. For whatever reason, you know, maybe something happened recently at that bank, or you know, maybe somebody put something in her head to be careful, and maybe she was new. It kind of sounds like the the teller was new, uh, based off of how she was talking in in the nine one one call. But for whatever reason, she didn't want to believe that this was a legitimate transaction going on. She decides to, you know, a quote unquote, the story is she went and told the manager that she felt uncomfortable. She felt like, you know, this guy, I guess she thought he was scamming her. Like, this is not him. This is a fake account. He's stealing money out of somebody else's account, or he potentially is trying to rob the bank. I don't know how you jump from somebody, you know, giving you their debit card and putting their pin number in and giving you their license and your brain automatically goes to, oh, they're trying to rob the bank. But she ended up, the, the quote-unquote again, the manager said, call 911. She calls 911, and I'm going to insert the clip right now of that call. I didn't feel comfortable, so he told me to call police while he, I guess, saw what is the What is the woman over now? Um, it just says I want to withdraw twelve thousand dollars. Um, just be discreet. Is this an actual customer, or are they trying to rob the bank? They had a debit card, and he inserted it. He gave me a California ID, but I was like, okay. Um, I was like, how do you? I was like, how do you want the cash back? And he's like, just look at the note. And he had no weapons, correct? Yeah, I know of. He just has on black sunshade, you know, black, uh, um, a black hat. Is he a black male, white male? He's a black male. And every time I ask him, like, a question, he's like, look at the note. So, um, but he inserted his debit card, and then I asked for his ID. He handed me his ID. It's a California ID. But I didn't look at his name because I'm just like so shook up. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. So I just told him, give me one moment. You know, I have to get my managers. Okay, so none of his information was even verified. Okay. So, y'all heard that. You hear the, the, the fear in her voice, just like the uncertainty in her voice. It really seems like, and, you know, I've listened to a couple of other people speak on this. Uh, Charlamagne the God on The Breakfast Club. Um, Andrew Schultz on Brilliant Idiots, uh, co-host of Charlemagne, uh, A couple of news outlets. And just reading the comments on social media. And a lot of people agree with this sentiment. And I feel the exact same way. It sounds like that teller did not do her job. She just jumped to a conclusion that 
this black dude is asking for twelve thousand dollars. He got shades on. He got a mask on. He got a hoodie on. He got a cap on. Clearly, he's in disguise. Like we're not in the middle of a pandemic, and not like it's cold still. We're like we're still in the winter. He got to be robbing the bank. She didn't even know his name when the when the nine one one operator. She didn't even know the name on the note. She didn't even bother to read that. You you telling me this man gave you all his information. And he quote unquote was robbing the bank and you don't even know his name and he's robbing the bank and he gave you all this information? Come on now. Come on now. So what did it, so what happens after the the 911 call? Of course the police show up and they were rolling deep, already had their guns out. They handcuff and remove Ryan Coogler from the Bank of America. And, you know, they proceed to question him. And he tells them, yo, I I don't understand what's going on. I did everything I was supposed to do. I gave this woman my... He he did... What else can you do in that situation? Some people are trying to sit there and say that he shouldn't have wrote the note. That's what made it look suspicious. Man, there's a whole note section on these slips at the bank. How many people have worked for um, some type of retail or, you know, a restaurant or something like that, and you're the first person opening up for the day? you got to go to, or better yet, what if you run in to get change for your job? I've done it before where I've driven to the bank that my, my company banks with, and just, here here's a slip of paper. I need this many 20s. I need, I need this many 10s. They, 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 and I'm a black man. They didn't think I was, you know, I was a high, I was younger then, so probably less of a threat. Uh, but, you know, they didn't think I was robbing a bank, asking for change. Can I get uh, two rolls of quarters? What type of bank robber is gonna ask for two rolls of quarters? You doing you doing clothes afterwards? No, I'm I'm robbing the bank. I can I'm gonna steal enough money to pay somebody to wash my clothes. Why would I need quarters? I'm not going to the laundromat. Come on. And it's just it's just baffling to me. And again, I really truly feel like the situation happened is the girl freaked out for whatever reason. Tells the manager, "Hey, I'm uncomfortable. This I'm scared. This is what's going on." To me, it sounds like the manager actually never came out and just took her word and said, "Just call nine one one." Because if you had two set of people you had two sets of eyes on this situation the teller was already freaked out i feel like the, i mean if you work for a bank or or had worked for a bank and you're listening you know shoot me a message let me know if this is a proper protocol but i would just feel like the next step of escalation in that situation before calling 911 would be the manager would need to come out because he again he didn't have no gun out there he had no knife he's not talking to this girl in a threatening way she took him saying, just read the note as a threat. No, he trying to protect himself. He got to leave the bank with that much money. He got to walk from that that front door to his car. And keep you got to keep your op. For one, I already keep my head on a swivel, period, out here in Charlotte. Just because people are wild. But if I had $12,000 on my person, and I know that, man, I am I'm a hawk. I'm looking at everything. I'm about to, I'm damn near about to sprint to my car. I'm, I'm at least speed walking. I'm definitely swinging my arms hard. I'm speed walking to my vehicle if I had that type of cash on me. You're not about to catch me. I ain't about to get robbed, get a shot. Come on, man. 
So the police take him outside, question him, and just realize the truth. Yeah, this is Ryan Coogler. This is the dude. This is the dude that did Black Panther. And matter of fact, he's here recording Black Panther, filming Black Panther two at this moment. So, what's the next step? Bank of America. the The president himself apologized to Ryan Coogler. In one, in lieu of everything that's been going on um, with race tension, racial tensions, and just you know dealing with the police, period, for the last, I don't know, the last 400 years here in this country, <laughs> the, the strained relationship between police and uh, black people, you know, Bank of America apologizes, uh, you know, Ryan Cooler says that they, you know, basically, you know, they took care of the situation swiftly for him to his satisfaction, and he was ready to move on. But, you know, how many times have we we've seen this situation, or something similar, not necessarily exactly the same thing, but just a black person looking suspicious, minding their business. Got nothing to do with nothing, but just because being black and existing is enough to make somebody nervous and suspicious. You know, I'm thinking about the last time that I was just stopped for nothing. Story time. So, I uh, this is back when I lived in Columbia, and I went to go pick my brother up from, uh, I think he was doing, he had a job interview, and I was taking him to another job interview. Shout out to Victor Parker, man. Uh, Big bro, love you. So, I'm picking him up. I'm trying to pick him up from this gas station. He went there to get something to drink. Um, But there was a change of plans because there was a really bad accident at the gas station, so I couldn't get there. So, I told him, hey, just walk across the street. Meet me at the CVS. It's going to be easier. There was like two fire trucks and, and some police officers already there clearing the scene. So I pull into the CVS parking lot, and I'm waiting for my brother to walk across the street. Um, In my peripheral, I see a a cop car pull up on the side of me. Probably like, I'm parked in a parking space, and this police officer, his car is probably like two, three spaces down from me on my right-hand side. Um, I'm talking on the phone. I'm just kind of texting. You know, I look up. My my brother's walking across the street. He's about to get in the car. I'm telling who I'm on the phone with. Hey, I'm about to get off the phone. And I, before my brother even got all the way to my car, I see another cop car just speed, speed into the, um, the parking lot where I'm at. And he just stops right behind me. I was like, oh, that's weird. Why is he stopping right there? I'm, a, I'm just assuming these are more cops about to go across the street to help with the accident. And while I'm getting off the phone, I hear this loud muffled noise. And it sounds like somebody's on like a speakerphone. And I'm like, hey, I think the police are saying something to me. Hey, I'll call you back. It is the cop saying something to me. I, I roll my window down, and now I'm actually fully alert, and my heart is beating. I'm like, what the, f- what, what's going on? Like, what's happening? All I hear is the police officer tell me to turn my vehicle off, take the keys out, sit tight. I'm like, what the hell is going on, yo? So the cop that had parked three spaces uh, over on the right-hand side of my car didn't grab my brother, but told my brother to come here. And started questioning my brother. So I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, I know my brother didn't do nothing wrong. This man just came from a job interview. What, what's up? The other cop that pulled up and blocked my car in gets out. He's like, hey, man, what's going on? I was like, uh, just here to pick up my brother. Like, I'm already telling you what I'm here for because whatever y'all think we did, we didn't do it. This, come on. So he says and asks me, so um, 
know, what were you guys doing today? I just left from my internship at USC. And I told him that. I, I literally had my book bag and my folder for my internship sitting in the passenger seat right next to me at the moment. Um, I told my brother just came from a job interview. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what time did that happen? I'm like, giving him the times on the time frames of everything that happened. And he was like, yeah, we're, we're looking for somebody. So uh, we're just going to sit tight and see what your brother's saying. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I'm trying to remain calm. I'm trying not to panic. Because the first thing that my parents taught me, uh, I was probably like, Nine ten, my parents had a conversation with me and my brother, and I'm pretty sure they probably had a convo with my brother. You know, uh, before I even heard it when I was eight nine, or excuse me nine ten, and they said, "Hey, you're black. You're a black man, and you're gonna grow. You're a black boy. You're gonna grow up to a black man, and the police are gonna look at you differently compared to your white friends. So you need to. This is what you gotta do to survive." Not this is the respectful thing to do. This is what we need you to do to to increase your chances of a positive interaction with the police and you come home safely. That and that man, if if you're just if you're a non person of color. Or hell, some maybe I I, I, would, I would find it hard to believe that no person of color has never had a, a conversation about their skin tone and the ramifications of how police view you as a as a dark skinned black person in America, male or female. But you no, know, we me and my brother both already had this training at a very young age where interactions with the police when you're a black man in America are very stressful, traumatic, and you you damn you gotta be perfect. You you really like there's nobody perfect on this earth, but when you're a black man and you get pull, pulled over by the police, especially when you're not doing something wrong, it's like you have to become the most perfect version of yourself just to ensure your safety. You can't have an itch. You got you have to know where everything's at. You got to know which pocket your wallet's in. You got to know where your, your registration's at in your vehicle. You can't second guess. Oh, it's in the glove compartment. Oh, no, actually, it's up. No. Those movements can get you killed. Those movements, not knowing where something's at, just being nervous and having anxiety with the situation makes you look suspicious. But you're pulled over by the police. Sometimes the police have their weapons out. A lot of times the police also just uh, approach you aggressively. And knowing that you're powerless and that your life is in their hands, that's enough to make you sick to your stomach with anxiety and fear. And even anger and embarrassment. And, you know, the anger and embarrassment part comes from that that feeling of being helpless. And I'm speaking from my my perspective. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of black people, people in general, who, who feel the same way. But it's that fear, that anger, that embarrassment of, you know, just watching my brother get questioned by the police. You know, they got me pulled out the car talk, asking me what I'm doing. And questioning me and talking to me like I'm lying about what I did today. Like, I didn't just do this. Like, I'm telling you, you can look right here in the seat. You see my internship papers and my book bag right here, yo. And what what pisses me off the most when stuff like this happens, and it's happened numerous times to me, is the looks from other people. Just people, just innocent bystanders. People just so happen to be around the area. They don't know that 
I didn't do anything. All they see is a black man and two cops and another black man over here getting talked to. And one's got, and I got locks. And one's got locks. So they had to do something. It's just like everybody, I remember, I won't forget, it was like this old Italian man that had walked out of the CVS. He's looking, he looks at my brother, looks at me, and I'm telling you, we had eye contact, and he just shakes his head like, mm. look at look at these guys. You know, who knows what he thought we did? Probably drugs or, you know, you know, probably drugs. Yeah, honestly, like, just something that is so untrue of my character and me as a person, maybe that thought we were stealing or we were speeding or something like that. And it's just that judgment. You just feel the judgment. Like the people just thinking the worst things about you as a person, as a black man. And it's demoralizing. It's dehumanizing. It makes you feel lesser than. Um, it's frustrating. Because like I want to tell this guy right now, like, man, what are you looking at? Cause, but if I do that in that situation, if I don't hold my cool while I'm engaged with a police officer, they're going to take that as, oh, you feel guilty about something? Or why are you mad at him if you didn't do anything? You know, that could turn to a whole other situation. And it's just it's sad, man. It sucks. It sucks. It's such a, a sickening feeling. And there's nothing you can do to, to, to erase that feeling. It's like a blemish. You ever get like a Sharpie? Just Sharpie or a pen broke on you and the ink's just on your hand. And no, it's, it takes you a long, long time to wash it off. It doesn't come off immediately. That mark's going to be there for a while, no matter how much you scrub and, and try to rem- and put whatever on it. That's how it feels when, you know, the police just wrongfully stop you, question you, talk to you like you're already a criminal, like they already know that you did something wrong. And you could get that energy from Ryan Coogler. You know, they got the body cam footage of his conversation afterwards, talking to the police. And you can just hear in his voice that, yo, that, that's all the emotion he has is confusion to why it happened to me, anger to why it happened to me, the fear of why did this happen to me, and, you know, and you're thankful, too, at the same token, because it's like, I get to live another day. These police officers didn't kill me. These police officers didn't take me to, take me to jail. And it's sad, yo. Like, I watched the video of the, um, you can find it on YouTube, like I said. And I watched the footage of, you know, the police body cam of them taking them out of the bank. And there's a black woman that's walking by. And she says, thank you so much, officer. And I'm still just trying to figure out why it triggered me. Like, it just triggered me so bad. Even thinking about it right now just kind of makes me upset because it's like, man, you're a black, oh, it was an older black woman than that. Like, somebody, mom, somebody, grandma, aunt, older aunt, great aunt. And it's like, you don't even know if this man did anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. But again, you know, perception, judgment is going to say, you see this black man being escorted out uh, the bank by a bunch of cops with shades on. He obviously did something wrong. Thanks. Get him out of here. He's a criminal. No, this, this dude is probably one of the most influential uh, black people in America in the last five, six years, especially in Hollywood. Yo, like I look up to Ryan Coogler as a director. His his eye, his attention to detail, just like his workflow. His his his. his it's amazing. It's beautiful. You know what I'm saying. And in that moment, none of that mattered at all. Because all everybody saw was 
a bank robber. That's it. Yeah, that's that's all he was reduced to in that moment was a bank robber. Then after the fact, he became Ryan Coogler. Then he's the guy who did Black Panther. Man, it just sucks. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. It's and it it really it really is tough to be black in America. And I feel like again, like I said, a lot of black people have that conversation at a very young age, unfortunately, with your parents, some uh, grandparents, guardians, where they're gonna tell you how you have to move in America if you wanna, you know, make it and survive. And especially when it comes to engagements with the police. And this next topic makes it even further. Like, whatever work we've done to get further ahead is people like Jesse Smollett. It feels like it knocks us back years. It, it makes the moments when somebody is truly innocent in the back of somebody's brain who's going to be making that decision. This could be another Jesse Smollett. So, if y'all remember Justice Smollett, uh, was it maybe like two years ago? Yeah, I think that was two years ago, 2020. He made up that whole story that I just felt I knew from the get go was a lie, dog. Who's going to Subway at midnight in Chicago? What Subway is open at midnight? Red, red flag. Red flag. And then who's going to be like, you know what I want? I ain't never, it's never been. The sun has never been down, and I and I've been like, you know what I want, Subway. Man, come on, open and shut case right then. Y'all could have convicted this man two years ago, saved us tax uh, payers some money. So Jesse Smollett made up this whole thing about, uh, you know, he was walking the subway at, at midnight in Chicago, and two white men jumped him and beat him up, called him a bunch of racial slurs, a lot of homophobic slurs. And robbed him. What really happened was Justice Millett paid two African dudes to beat the hell out of him and bounce. And then, you know, I guess this was right when um that's what was the show called? Empire. When Empire was like right at the tail end, I guess they were about to finish the show and I guess his contract was about to be up and Empire really was popping. I think, you know, Tay Diggs had just popped up on the show. And I mean the only thing that makes sense is he was trying to do this to, I don't know, I guess garner more attention, become more famous, become a, 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 a pillar in the community. And he did for a little bit. For the people that actually truly believed that, you know, he actually went through those situations. But again, Subway, Midnight, Chicago. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, I could have. An eight-year-old could have came up with a better story than that, yo. Uh, the the holes that you could poke through that story, come on, come on, yo. So he just we obviously found out he was lying. That they they said they found him. You know, they, you lied, dog, and you got to go to court over it. He still said, no, I'm not lying. This truly happened. We got the receipts that you paid these African dudes. They sitting there saying that you paid them. No, they're lying. This is a a scheme to get me out of here. It's a, it's a lie. They're just trying to, uh, they're just trying to defame me. This, this is racism. So he just had his court hearing. They obviously found his man guilty. The judge had a whole spiel on, you know, how you embarrassed your family, how you embarrassed yourself, how you ruined your career over for what? You could just you you had every you you had everything in your hands, yo. 
You got a super talented family that you're surrounded around. I mean, yeah, maybe things are cooling off for you at the moment. You felt like you should have been bigger than what you were. But, I mean, when does that not happen for anybody, especially in Hollywood? When, I mean, everybody listening probably had a moment where they felt like they put in a lot of work or hell, you know, I feel this way now where it's like I'm worth more than what you think I'm worth and what I'm getting paid. I'm not sitting here, you know, mad at my job and going to say, you know, my uh, my manager called me a, a coon, a crackly coon and nothing like that. I'm not going to say that. For what? How's that going to serve me? I'm not really working for anything. I had to lie to, to get attention. So, the judge found Justice Mullet guilty and he was fined 25. He had a personal fine of $25,000. He's got to pay back Illinois, the state, $120,000. And then he has to spend 150 days in jail on top of that, immediately after the verdict was read. Then this man just blows up. I'm, I'm going to insert the clip of what he said right after. $20,106. You are fined $25,000, which is the maximum fine. And you will spend the first 150 days of your sentence in the Cook County Jail. And that will start today, right here, right now. No, I was just like to say to your honor that I, uh, I am not suicidal. That's what I was like to say. Okay. I am not suicidal. Okay. I am not suicidal. I am innocent, and I am not suicidal. If I did this, then it means that I stuck my fist in the fears of black Americans in this country for over 400 years and the fears of the LGBTQ community. Your Honor, I respect you and I respect the jury, but I did not do this and I am not suicidal. And if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. And you must all know that. I respect you, Your Honor. I respect your decision. Jail time. I am not suicidal. Mr. Uche, let me inquire, are there any post-sentencing motions you care to present? Come bro. Suicide. And again, this and he's, it's like a slippery slope with this, right? Where it's like, is this man suffering from uh, mental health? Is he like bipolar, schizophrenic? Is that what's going on in this situation? Or is he just that narcissistic, that in denial, that full of himself? he's just turned this into reality or he's just going to, that's the cross he wants to die on. I don't know. It looks bad. It looks bad. And I wonder if Subway's is feeling the wrath from this. Is Subway feeling the backlash from Justice Mollett lying on Subway or did Subway get more business? Like, Hey, come get Subway at midnight. Risk your life getting beat up by white supremacists for this this uh five dollar foot long this spicy italian on white you know light light dejeuner's mustard little honey mustard too you know it's a little razzle dazzle little light oregano but that's besides the point this man still said he was innocent and they lying on him and if 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 he if he commits suicide, he didn't do it. Man, who's out here trying to assassinate you? Who try who who out here trying to assassinate Justice Smollett, yo? Why why who 
the powers that be got a whole plot again against you, Justin. Justin, they go. They have a whole plot to erase you off the planet. For what? I I, I if I don't recall him other than outside of when he got beat up and he was he was saying the white supremacist beat his ass. Outside of that, when he had the little rally for that. I don't remember hearing nothing about him being at any Black Lives Matter protests. I don't remember hearing him, you know, speaking out about George Floyd. But you want to be a, 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 a do you want to be the black, you want to be the gay Tupac. Y'all remember he said he wanted to be the gay Tupac? You want to be the gay Tupac. You want to be a, a, a icon in the LGBTQ community as well as the African American, African American community. I can't even talk. It's so crazy. You want to be a pillar in the African-American community, Jesse, so bad that you will make up that terrible story. You work in Hollywood, dog. You, you read scripts all the time. You could have you could have came a little better than that. Subway. Not a firehouse. Not Jimmy John's. Bro, you could even say McAllister. As much as McAllister is overrated and overpriced, Panera Bread, but Subway. That that is the true that is the true crime. You give a subway free promo and clout like subway's worth to get your you know to get beat up by. Come on, man. You do the crime, you do the time. Don't feel bad for you, yo. He's also got probation too. And he gonna die on this hill, yo. He gonna die on this hill. And he probably low key. He's probably the reason why Empire, if Empire come back, it ain't going to be no time soon. It's already been about two years since it's been off the air. That show ain't coming back. You killed the show. You killed the show, man. That was, that was a Terrence Howard joke, if you if you, didn't, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> back to podcast hosting. Come on, man. You could do better, Justin. Shame on you, yo. Shame on you, why would you do this to the black community? Why? At the most pivotal time, bro, we've been going through the most in the last couple of years. And you're going to compound to the trauma and, and everything, and people already don't want to believe the black plight in America. And you just adding ammo to the people blame. Well, you see Justice Smollett, so it can't be that bad for black people. He over here lying. How many other black people lying? Here, uh, here's another black person that's lying. Matter of fact, this is just a person lying about being black. There's a he's partnered with Facebook Gaming and his name is Jerry Banfield. And he's a white man who says that he identifies as black. I'm gonna play the clip. I'm now identifying as a black man and an African American. I no longer wish to be identified as a white man or Caucasian or European Brad descent. That's not who I am anymore. And I've been wanting to make that change for a long time. When I was born, I felt most comfortable with all the black kids. Almost all my friends were black. And until about middle school, and people just told me enough times, you're white, you're white, you're white. I just accepted that programming. And I've been wishing that I could be a black man for a long time. But I thought, I can't be a black man because of my skin color. And I just woke up and had the epiphany today that if a man or a woman can look down at their genitals and just choose whatever gender they want to be, regardless of their biology, 
regardless of their DNA, regardless of what they've said they were in the past. What's up, Nicholas? If a man or a woman can suddenly decide to change genders, regardless of all of the other things, and that's fully supported, then I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely fully supported in changing my race. Y'all heard that, right? He did this in February. I, I know we're halfway through March, but I just had to, I had to talk about it. I, I found the story randomly online, and I was like, there is no way. Now, this man is not only racially insensitive or racist, but you're homophobic and you're transphobic. You went out your way to just be electrifying to catch eyes and views. Saying you want to be saying you identify as black just to discredit trans and gay people. And what's crazy is how did you think that was going? It's like you really thought it was going to work out for you. You really, you truly, in somewhere in your brain, you was like, hey, they're going to love me for this one. Facebook doesn't love you for that one. Facebook immediately terminated this man off of Facebook gaming. He's no longer making any money. He's off the platform completely. He broke the terms and conditions. Was it worth it? He's probably he might he's probably on Twitch. He's probably on YouTube gaming. And he probably def he definitely lost some people, but what's even sadder is he probably gained almost as many people as he lost off of this whole stunt. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? You are so crazy, Jerry Banfield, that that you created a whole new segment that I'm gonna do every week now. The what are you doing? What, bro? What are you talking about, man? Bro, I'm out, man. Honey, strip. What are you doing? Like, it's just crazy where we're at. And some of these stories that I hear, and even just some of the people I talk to and and deal with from real life, at at work or just people I just see. Are walking around the world, the entitlement of some people, and the delusion that some people have to feel like, yeah, I'm right, yeah, what, I'm me, you know, I can do what I want to do. I'm, I'm this person. Huff, 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 huff. It don't. It's not supposed to work like that. I won't say it doesn't work like that. I'll say it's not supposed to work like that. But sometimes it really just works out in that person's favor, depending on how much money they have, how much. Uh, social clout that they have, how much power they have, who they know, connections, where sometimes people really literally get away with murder. Then it's like, you know, you know, you go out to people and say, freedom of speech, bro. He should be able to say whatever he wants to say. You're absolutely right. You can say whatever you want to say, but if somebody punched you in the mouth because of what you said, hey, you know, Cause and reaction. That you said something wild. Somebody didn't like what you said. Everybody don't gotta like what you say. Everybody not gonna agree with you. So if one person don't agree with you, hey, that's hey, that's the game. But if you want to say what you want to say, you absolutely have that right. Your job decides to fire you, which Facebook Gaming did because you said something crazy. Guess what? That's what happened. 
That's what happened. And and just hearing his explanation in that clip, it's just like it's so arrogant. You just don't care. You like you don't see anything wrong with anything that you said. It was more important about what you said and how you feel that uh, you know men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men is, is crazy. That you you would just do that, and you think you're in the right by doing that. Man, get out of here, yo. I. I don't like wishing bad on people, but if that man didn't make another dime off of gaming, I would not be upset. That's all I'm saying. But guys, this has been another episode. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Leave the podcast a nice rating on whatever platform you are listening to this on. And uh, find me again on Zay Parker, X-A-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R on all social media. I appreciate y'all. Y'all be safe. And until next week. Peace.